Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is a bonus episode featuring none other than newly minted five-time WSL champion Carissa Moore. A Venus ambassador, Carissa features in this episode as one of Venus's panelists for the Board of Trustees, clever spelling, that discuss the importance of ocean science and how everyone can and should play a leading role in conservation efforts. It's an important conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Awesome. Thank you. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. My name is Mian, and I'm here on behalf of the Venus brand. We are going to have some really cool conversations with our board of trustees here. Um, but first, I just want to take a moment to explain why Venus is here. Venus uh, takes the ocean as our source of inspiration. It is why you'll see you know, images of the beach, ocean, like tropical plants and flowers, anytime that you see our brand. Um, we chose this over 20 years ago when we first launched, but it really needs our help. So we're seeing tons of you know, climate change effects on the ocean. We, we know that marine habitats are being affected. We're seeing coral reefs facing huge like bleaching events. Um, even the color of the ocean is changing. And that's a really big deal because it is a huge source of life. Did you know that actually every other breath you take comes from the ocean? And that's why it's so important for us to really focus on, you know, understanding about it a bit more, learning how to protect it, learning how to conserve it. Um, and one other thing that we find a bit disheartening is, uh, according to the UN, women are more vulnerable to climate change because of socioeconomic cultural impacts. But at the same time, women aren't, you know, fairly represented and equally represented at the table to help contribute to the solutions of protecting it. So we hope that we can spend a little bit of time today to hear from some women who are doing some amazing things for this work and that you'll walk away with a bit more inspiration, a bit more motivation to start engaging on this topic as well. So I will hand it off to have our panelists introduce themselves, if you guys wouldn't mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Carissa Cabrera. I'm a marine biologist based on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. And my main background has been in marine mammals and endangered species work with nonprofits there. But I realized that there's not really disagreement in the science community, and we really need to communicate conservation to everybody else and get them on board with saving the ocean. So I started a company called the Conservationist Collective last year to help use educational media to save our oceans. And I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm the second Carissa. <laughs> uh, I'm a professional surfer. Um, I love the ocean. And uh, I started a nonprofit a few years ago called More Aloha, which means more love. And actually, big thank you to Supergirl and Rick Bratman. Um, yesterday, we ran our first California event. And um, we actually, one of the activities that we had planned was we partnered with Surfrider. And we taught the girls about taking care of the environment, the beaches, and doing their part and um, to take care of our playground. So uh, co ocean conservation and taking care of our oceans and beaches and waves is super important to me. Yeah. 
Hi guys, um, my name is Andriana Fergola, but everyone calls me Andy. I am also based in Hawaii. I am a marine biologist and conservationist, as well as a shark safety diver uh, on the island of Oahu. So I work a lot with conservation and communication, just specifically with sharks, but also generally with ocean conservation and just teaching people ways that they can get involved in those different conservation efforts through social media, which is a really big thing that I've been um, pushing for recently. And I also have a side business called Mono Wahine, which is a small uh, conservation jewelry line where I'll make jewelry out of the fishing line that myself and my teammates, we actually cut off of the sharks in Hawaii. So raising that awareness through jewelry and uh, social media is a really big uh, project for me. Okay. Hey, everybody. My name is Simone Barkley. I'm from Baltimore, and I am an environmental educator and a marine biologist. I've studied sand tigers, sandbar, sandbar sharks, algae, blue crabs, but, you know, I really wanted to focus on education and increasing representation for Black people in this field. And so one of the projects that I've really focused on is called A Piece of Nature. They are STEM kits that I've created that include a video of me doing a tutorial of an activity that's paired with uh, a book that actually includes uh, characters that look like everyday people, especially black people um, in, in, in the environment. So only about 11% of children's books include uh, black characters and that's really not a, a great uh, representation. And so I really wanted to highlight that and to make sure that black people feel like they have a space in the environment and that they can show their support. And so in addition to creating the STEM kits, uh, me and a few of my friends from undergraduate, uh, we actually created an organization called Black and Marine Science. And so it's the goal is to amplify Black people who are in this field and to retain them in this field. Because as we all have mentioned, right, like ocean conservation is a priority and it's going to take everyone to conserve the ocean and to protect it. Awesome. All right. Some rock stars up here today. <laughs> Um, and guys, if you have any questions, keep them. We'll have a Q&A session at the end for, for any questions to be asked to our panelists. We're going to start with an easy question first. Can you tell us a bit about what the ocean means to you and what is like the number one reason that motivates you to protect it? Yes. We're just going to go down the line. Down the line. <laughs> okay. Um, what does the ocean mean to me? I am someone who's dedicated my whole life to helping the ocean. And so I would say it means everything to me, but I recognize that not everybody feels that way. So I think that my experiences in the ocean can serve as a template for why I feel connected to it, but really we're all connected to it in many different ways. And so it's really more about figuring out what the ocean means to you and what you can get from it to help make you happier, to help, help the planet. And ultimately, if you, find connection with the ocean, you'll realize how much it gives back to us every day through the, the clean air that we breathe, like you mentioned, but also through the way that it regulates our climate and helps food security for billions of people around the world. And so while the ocean might mean everything to me, I think that people should consider how much it means to them too. Awesome. Um, I, I have to agree with you, Carissa. Um, the ocean is everything to me as well. Uh, I can't imagine my life without it. Uh, I've 
started surfing at a really young age and it's been a part of my everyday life since then. And it's brought me so much joy, so much peace. It's my happy place. It's where I feel like I can run away and escape the rest of the world for a few hours every day. Um, and it's also the, the ocean is, is a mentor and a teacher. It's taught me so many life lessons. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a big part of my life. It's given me opportunity, opportunity to travel the world and meet new people, do something that I love, that I'm passionate about. Um, so yeah, the ocean's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, <laughs> so I'm from Miami, Florida originally, and I was really lucky to grow up around the water. I was snorkeling from a really young age, just probably like maybe four or five years old. Um, got scuba certified when I was really young, maybe like 12. And I just had always been in love with the water. One of my favorite things about being in the ocean is just how small it makes you feel and just how, how much you feel a part of so much outside of you that is bigger. And that's a huge part of why I love it, especially like deep water where you have the you know, opportunity to see some of these large, incredible animals and have those interactions. And it's really inspiring and it's just so important to protect it. Both of you guys hit great points already on why we need the ocean to keep our air clean, to keep, um, you know, primary food source for a lot of other communities. There's so many other things that the ocean provides, even like shoreline buffering to kind of protect those coastal communities, uh, protecting from big storms. And that's only a couple of things that it really does for us. So all those different components are really important. So the more that we do to help protect it, the more that we're actually doing to protect ourselves. Yeah, so they said all of the things that I agree with, you know, and I also really love the ocean because of its power. You know, the ocean is something that I think everyone should take very seriously because we need to protect it. And also, you know, it does bring me a lot of peace, um, a lot of serenity, you know, if my story is a little bit different than Andy's, right? In that she grew up near the ocean. I didn't grow up near the ocean. I didn't learn how to swim by like my family or anything. I did. I'm not. I'm not even scuba trained now, and I'm a marine biologist, uh, but I'm not a scuba diver. And so I also think it's uh, important because it shows you just like how diverse life is, right? Like you can do so many different things in this field and you can show your love for the ocean in so many different ways. And that's also one of the main reasons that I care about it. And Simone, I'd love to build on that because I didn't grow up around the ocean either. And when I was in school a while ago, uh, it, it wasn't really an option to like find a career in ocean science or marine biology or surfing. I don't even know how to swim. Um, can you share like your experience and how you you found yourself in this world and how you're making these beautiful like careers out of it as well? So I'll start with you, Simone. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, um, honestly. When I was younger, um, I would spend a lot of time like going to this park that was near my house. Again, I live in I live in Baltimore and grew up there. And this park has a river. This river flows into the Chesapeake Bay. Had no idea what the bay was, um, and obviously didn't really know anything about the ocean. But I spent a lot of time watching, you know, television programs, right, where I saw you, the ocean and saw scientists talking about it. And I was like, oh, like this seems cool. I think I want to do that. Never saw any, never saw a woman on the TV, and definitely didn't see a black person talking about the ocean, right? And so, I really had no idea how I was going to do it, but because. Again, I lived in Baltimore uh, and there's an aquarium that's in Baltimore, the National Aquarium. So I spent my time um, volunteering at the aquarium as an exhibit guide. And I had to learn about all of these different uh, 
all of the exhibits, all of the habitats, all of the animals. And once I learned everything, I said, you know what? I'm going to be a marine biologist. Like, I've decided that this is what I'm going to do. And and I also knew that I wanted to go to a HBCU. So I wanted to go to a historically black college and university. And so I found which HBCUs had really great marine science programs. And so I decided to go into that. And honestly, um, I'm always <laughs> surprised at how many people are surprised that I'm a marine biologist, right? Because they've never seen anyone that look like me that's doing it. And it's not because there aren't people in it. Like, I'm not the only marine biologist that looks like me. I can guarantee you that. It's just that this, um, it's hard for us to stay in it um, because we don't always have the support. And so I'm very grateful now that, you know, things are coming together where we do get the support to continue to lift one another up um, in this work. Because again, this is a collaborative and cooperative effort, right? We literally need everyone to do this. So, yeah. Thank you. Andy, Krista, about your own journey and how you got to this as well. Yeah. So similar to Simone, I didn't grow up near the ocean. I grew up in Arizona and uh, we're both, <laughs> we're both living proof that um, that limitation doesn't necessarily have to hold you back. Um, I became involved in marine conservation because I had access to being able to snorkel sometimes here, actually in Southern California, which isn't too far from Arizona. And it ended up my aha moment when I realized I wanted to dedicate my life to this actually stemmed from a documentary. Um, it was called The Cove, if anyone's seen it. And it's a, yeah, it's a good one. And, um, I remember that I realized that day when I watched it, that there wasn't enough people working on these issues and that how important the ocean was to us and how much energy is needed to go towards conservation right now. So it was pretty, it started there and it's been going on for 10 plus years since. Awesome, awesome. And Andy? Yeah, so I kind of mentioned already that I was from Miami. So I had just the really amazing opportunity to grow up near the water and just have a family that was really supportive. My dad really pushed me to get uh, scuba certified as soon as I was old enough to do so. And taking those opportunities, getting in the water, and I had a lot of uh, family and friend support for all of that. Um, so it made me really comfortable just being in the ocean at a young age. And then basically after I graduated high school, I feel like my moment where I was like, oh, this is really what I need to dedicate my life to. I went to Hawaii for my first time and uh, there's a dive on Big Island where you can actually do a night dive where you're swimming with manta rays. So my first time seeing manta rays in the wild, always had been really intrigued by them, absolutely love them as an animal. Um, it was really amazing. And it just like going down, at, you just sit on the seafloor and then there's all the divers with all the lights. And then there's, we had, we were really lucky. We had over 20 mantas that night, which is really good. And they're just like ballet dancing above you. It's just so incredible. And it's just like, after that, I was just so in awe from it, but I didn't really realize it until a month or two later when I was just consistently watching the videos from the dive over and over again. I'm like, I need to, you know, do this. So um, that was really the moment that solidified my change into going into conservation and just marine biology in general. You know, if I could swim, I would like switch places with you for just one day. You can day. do it. Thank you. You can do it. Please take me with you. 
Um, but I think a lot of people here would, would agree with me on that. And I think that's a really great thing because we need more women and girls in these fields. Um, but we know that it's, they face a lot of barriers when they come into STEM careers in, in science and in maths. Have you, what are some challenges that you've faced and how have you overcome them? So Simone has highlighted that people of color are really underrepresented in STEM fields, and that's also the case with women. And it's thought that around middle school is when young girls end up turning away from science fields. And so that's like a really formative time period. And it's one of the reasons why I love teaching middle schoolers. And I think that there's such a place for mentorship with women because if you see someone, you're seeing girls up here and you're seeing girls who look like you doing what you want to do, then it becomes tangible and something to aspire to. And you know that it's possible. And so that's where mentorship comes in and that's where our awesome projects have come in because we've been able to serve as an example to young girls that these barriers can be broken and everyone is welcome. Well, as far as what I experience daily, um, just so I work on a boat, right? So I'm a safety diver and I work bringing people out in the water, seeing sharks firsthand. And there's a lot of sexism just in general with working on boats. And it's just like a crazy struggle. We have a lot of times we have an all woman crew, which is a really cool uh, part of where I work. And so we, we've literally had men come up to the boat and it's a woman captain and myself. It's just the two crew. And they're like, where's your captain? It's like, it's the woman driving the boat right here. It's like, oh no, I'm, I'm expecting it to be a man. Or they're like, where's the man that's supposed to be on the boat? And um, those kind of comments, it's, it's a really damaging thing, especially to people that aren't really confident and they don't really realize that it's something that as a woman, you're capable, you're just as strong, you can do all of the things that a man can and it really has an impact on people. And it's just something that even comes up, you know, from when you're going through school and all of those different things and, you know, mentors maybe not pushing you as much as men and that kind of stuff and even when I work like actually having guests out on the water sometimes I'll have guests that don't take the safety instructions seriously and I mean you're working with wild predators you would think that it would be pretty you know common knowledge like I should listen to the expert but just because a lot of times it is a sexist perception just thinking that oh well I can be a little bit more authoritative over her because she's a woman in the situation when in reality you don't know anything about sharks and you really are relying on me to keep everything safe for you so um, just those types of things really common all the time and even like for body image it's like a big thing for me too um, a lot of times comments from men and women but a lot of things with being in a bathing suit people say oh you're unprofessional because you're in a bathing suit you like should cover up and that type of stuff, like you're literally working in the ocean. There's a moment you're going to be in a bathing suit. There's, it's your outfit. Like it's like what you're wearing. So we really, you know, try to minimize that by staying like covered most of the time. But it's just something that I feel like we shouldn't really even have to do or worry about. Yeah, Andy, I um, totally agree um, and have experienced many of the things that you just shared. Um, some different things that I've, I've, I've experienced of course, right, like my experience is going to be a little bit different because um, I'm dealing with barriers uh, as a black person in this field and as a woman, you know. And so, I mean, I've had, you know, work that I've that I've written, um, academic papers been submitted without my name on it. I've had, you know, um, 
Yeah, which is crazy, you know, especially because this field is like, if you, depending on what part of this field you're in, if you're a researcher, like academia and writing journals is your life, right? Like that's what you need for you to be successful. Um, I've also, I like nails, y'all. Like I like my nails to be long. I like nails. And I've had someone ask me like, oh, like they let you have your nails like that? First of all, I was in charge, so no one let me. I, I run this. But second, also, yes, I can do my job with nails. You know, like why, why is it that we have to tone down who we are, right, to do this work? We don't have to do that, right? And so um, I think that there are, the, the, list, the, the list is endless. You know, I've been not asked to speak because... Or, you know, when there are subjects that I do have expertise on, I haven't been considered. And then there are other times where I only get asked because I'm black and or a woman and they want me to be used as a token. Right. And so there are so many things that we face. And I'm very um, grateful and happy that women like us continue to do this work despite that. Right. Because we know how important it is. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Yes. <laughs> Um, I So on that, I actually want to go to RIS. So RIS, you've been doing a lot of work with the Mora Aloha Foundation to almost combat exactly this, making sure that girls are growing up feeling confident, especially on the beaches in the oceans. We know how intimidating wearing a bathing suit can be. And just at that middle school age, like you really start to notice your body and how it's changing. Um, I'll start with risk first, but I'd love to hear, like, if you can give a young girl one piece of advice as she's going into this and facing some of these, like, intimidation and barriers in this space, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, that's a great question. I first off want to say I'm so inspired by you ladies. It's just great to, like, hear what you have to say. And, like, I'm all about being lifting each other up and hearing each other's stories. And like, we all have our different things that we have to go through and face. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about sharing time with the next generation, because there are so many things that are thrown at us as women growing up and just every day and trying to mold us and change us into something or someone that we're not. And so I just like, I'm just so proud to be a part of this and be next to you guys. And you guys are all uniquely beautiful and special and standing for something and working towards something really amazing. So, um, yeah, if I had any advice, it'd be like lean on your fellow woman. Like, don't be afraid to ask for help, um, to share your stories, to be vulnerable because there's strength and vulnerability. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be where I am today without so many people that have like lent their time, their love and their effort. And I feel like we're stronger together. Um, and that goes towards the whole ocean conservation to climate change. It can feel very overwhelming at times, but if we come together and we all do our part, let's, we can totally, to totally take it on. All right. Oh, that was beautiful, Forrest. One piece of advice. Yeah, okay. Piece of advice. So, um, I share the same sentiment as you, Carissa. It's so amazing to be up here. I love, I love feeling like women are just kind of 
we're all building on the shoulders of each other. So um, I would say one piece of advice for young girls and something I try to highlight when I have the opportunity to be um, to like be part of impress in, like being them being impressionable is that I would want them to know that their potential is completely limitless and they can do whatever they want and the barriers maybe have been broken maybe they haven't but you can do absolutely anything that you want if you set your mind to it and there's always going to be someone willing to give you a hand and if there's not be that person for someone else and just try to look around you and make sure that you know you're following what makes you excited so whether that's surfing whether that's sharks or anything it's as long as you're following your passions you can do anything you want <laughs> Right, Andy, I'll pass it to you. Yeah, that actually builds really well on what I was um, just about to say, too. Just uh, dealing, you know, focusing on your passion. That's really what's going to get you through any kind of like negative comments you're getting, any kind of like difficulty, especially with school or whatever, even like, you know, athletics. That's a huge, you're pushing through that all the time and it can be really difficult. And just remembering why you love what you're doing. There's no one that really goes into marine science or something athletic surfing in the water if you don't love it like that's a huge reason why people do it so acknowledging that and making sure that you stay in touch with that even through the difficult times when you are going through those rough patches just remembering spending time in the ocean or doing something around the ocean that's going to keep you happy and keep you on track to remember why you're doing what you're doing uh, that's a really big thing to me just to rem remember your passion so, of course, again, agreed with everyone. Uh, and also something different that I'm going to say is, especially right now, I think that it's really important for young people with your parents' permission to uh, take, take advantage of social media because many um, scientists, many people that are in this field, are using social media to communicate about their science, to communicate about their work. And so it's a really great opportunity to meet people who are doing things that you are interested in. Maybe you wanna find out more about it, but you don't really know, you know, you don't personally know anyone to go to. There are tons of people online, right? They have a presence on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, follow them, DM them, ask them a couple of questions. And I'm in the way that we're all saying that we like to reach back, the way that we're saying that we like to help others along. That's how, that's the sentiment that I think many other people share. And so I think it's a really great way to put yourself out there and to also, you know, um, network. I, networking is probably the biggest key to uh, my success, along with like believing in myself, right? And having passions, like, all of those things, yes. But networking is so important, right? You never know what can happen when you talk to someone, send a thank you email, right? All of those things make a huge difference. And so those are my pieces of advice. I love that. Slide into people's DMs. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, I love that. So as part of your work with Venus, we had asked that each one of you create a, an educational wave maker event where we encourage young girls to interact with the ocean, overcome any fears, um, and, and look into ocean science a little bit more. Can you tell us a little bit about those projects and where our audience, if they're interested, can learn more about your work? I would be stoked to tell you guys about my project. So um, thank, 
thanks to Gillette Venus, I have been able to host a Women Wavemakers workshop. Um, this happened about two weeks ago, and it was a two-day workshop focused on a lot of things that we're talking about here, but with dedicated time to it, and a lot of topics that were never covered that you just end up learning from experience. So the, this covered things like how to negotiate, how to advocate for yourself, how to be a mentor and how to network, and um, how to take up space in a male-dominated conversation, how to find funding, whether or not you're, you should go to grad school or if it's right for you. And we ended up having 60, over 60 girls attend, it was virtual, across um, a handful of different countries. And we had four guest speakers from different areas and five different panels on these topics. And um, I'm so happy to say that the girls said they got so much out of it. And the, one of the best parts about it and one of my favorite parts was that they were able to have that relationship building time with the guest speakers, but also with each other. And we were able to kind of create a sense of community, even if it was online and even if it was just for a few days, to make girls realize like they can do anything they want. They just have to find out where they fit. Um, yeah, I want to say a big thank you to Gillette Venus as well. They have an Athlete for Good Fund, which they donated money to my nonprofit, Moraloha, which has given me opportunities to run events like yesterday. And my whole goal with Moraloha is to spread more love, to help young girls to lead with love, to be fearless and live authentically. And I think by being more conscious with yourself you're able to be more conscious with the world around you and um, we use our girl power at these events to give back in some way and yesterday we were able to partner with Surfrider and take care of the ocean beaches and take care of this little zone and hopefully that inspires them to go back and do their part and I was really I was really taken away because um, there were a few girls in the, that had applied for the event yesterday that had already started their own um, beach cleanups, and we're doing their own part already. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, so with the uh, Gillette Venus Wavemaker program, my program is actually taking place in a few weeks. So it's not happened yet, but the goal of the program is it's going to be pretty small, intimate uh, with local girls on the island, uh, getting them out and doing a bunch of different activities over two days. So the morning will consist of, we'll probably do a shark dive one morning and then we'll do a um, normal reef dive if possible with uh, the swell. And then in the afternoon, we're gonna lead into a lunch where we'll do a lot of uh, beach cleanups. So we'll go to two different areas, do those beach cleanups, get that uh, firsthand experience in those different areas. And then for the evening, it'll be a discussion where we're gonna talk about kind of what we went through during the day, different topics that maybe they have questions about. And I'll have a guest speaker coming in one of the nights as well to kind of go over all of that stuff and talk about her experiences as a Marine as a you know, woman in the marine science, and she's actually a photographer as well. So going into that whole different realm of everything as well. So excited to be getting that kicked off in the next couple of weeks. And I really appreciate all of the support from uh, Gillette Venus. And that's so exciting to be doing such a big project like this around so many other amazing women that have all of these really, really cool projects going on as well. So I'm very grateful. So my Venus Wavemaker project uh, took place on September 7th, and it was held at a park in Baltimore. Uh, and 
it was a very small and intimate group as well, because um, mine was in person. And so these young ladies came and rotated through five stations where they learned about different topics um, of marine science. So they learned a little bit about sea turtle diets and threats that sea turtles are facing. They learned about hydrothermal vents. We did a hands-on demonstration for that. Um, they learned, th so one of them was the activities I'm very proud of um, because I got, a young lady who asked me to mentor her maybe two years ago. So she just graduated from high school and she uh, was a musician, but she really likes marine science. And she didn't know how to merge marine science and music. She was trying to figure it out, but she didn't really have the answers. And so when I decided to do this particular event, and came up with the idea, I asked her, you know, Nashe, would you like to run something for this event? You know, how can you bridge music and, uh, and marine science? And so she did a, uh, a station that was called Soundscape of the Ocean, where she took trash and she helped the kids to create instruments from them. And they like all made their own song. Y'all, this was so beautiful to see because, you know, like, Nashe didn't know what to do, and, and I'm very proud of her for thinking and for talking with me, right, and letting me give her feedback. And you could see that there were girls there who maybe they also were interested in music, right? Maybe they didn't know how you can merge two things that you care about um, to two of your passions because it's not a clear path. And so I think that that was, for me, the best thing about my, about my event was that I was able to not only give the young ladies who attended, but also the women who worked with me on the project, they were able to also, you know, build their confidence as marine scientists, as conservationists, as educators. And so I'm very, very excited and grateful for this opportunity too. What I, what I find so interesting and inspiring about this group and this community is we didn't have any criteria for the grant. We said, hey, we want to help. What, what do you want to do? And each one of you came back with something that was very community focused, very hands on, like focused on young girls. And it, I find that like even your friends, right, were all cheering you on. So many other women got involved that weren't a part of this. And that's just so beautiful. And I think that sense of sisterhood is what's really going to help, like bring more girls in and bring more young women in. Um, so we're going to live the spirit, and be, because we're all here on the stage, we're going to open it up and see if anybody has any questions while our amazing panelists are here. So, any questions? Um, what is your advice for people that experience ego anxiety? So a lot of folks think, um, I don't know where to start. There's so much to do with sustainability, especially with ocean conservation. Um, so yeah, what are any tips or advice for people experiencing that and how to like avoid the paralysis? Well, um, I think that just being, you know, nice to yourself, like not be like overly hard of anything. Like it's very difficult to be perfect plastic free. There are people that do plastic free zero waste. I'm definitely not there yet. And it's something that we all need to work towards just small steps. So I think that's a really big thing and some conservationists, I think it's a pretty small group of people at this point that are like, oh, it's zero, you know, all or nothing. You're like all in it or you're not. And I think that's really damaging for conservation because then it overwhelms you and you're like, oh my God, there's nothing that I can do about it. And that's horrible for conservation. So um, just doing those small steps, like, you know, if you're able to do plastic free 
for one meal or something like that, you know, incorporating those small changes rather than trying to take on a lot at once. And then once the small change becomes easy for you, then you can add more, right? And then you can, it, it still makes a difference. Even if you're like, oh, it's just one meal a day. That's a lot through your whole life. So um, those small integral changes, I think, are what's going to make it a lot easier. And then, you know, if you do have to use plastic or you do have to, you know, not carpool or whatever the situation is, um, just forgive yourself for it. Don't be like, I am the reason that the environment is burning. Cause I feel that. I'm like, I am the problem. And it's like, you know, you just the small, small steps, I think. Yeah. So I absolutely agree with that. And that's literally uh, one of the things that I talk about all the time and I try to tell myself. And so I also think that part of this, like um, this sustainability movement makes you feel like you have to like spend money to like buy certain things, you know, like, oh, I'm not doing the right thing if I don't buy like this particular utensil set. Right. Or these uh, these reusable straws. You can take the fork out of your house and put that in your bag. You don't need to go buy a different set. You know, you can you don't need to go buy a new pack of mason jars after you have spaghetti or after you have jam or pickles or whatever. Take that jar clean off the label and reuse that you don't have to, I think that this some for some reason right it seems it seems like you um we're kind of like forced into more waste <laughs> when we're trying to be less wasteful and so just taking the pressure off of yourself and just using what you have and just like kind of rethinking it a little bit so I have my grandkids in this area, my youngest grandkids, and I was just wondering, you're all such great resources, and my daughter knows Carissa from the North Shore, and I just want to just ask, like for parents of young kids, because we know better to start like almost when they're born, right, or in utero, like resources for parents that are like not so overwhelming and or preschools, I mean, a website, a list, something that's concrete, that's fairly easy, that's just a start. I would say that, and this kind of goes off what she asked too as well about eco-anxiety, is the best thing that you can do right now is unplug and go join, be part of a community, a nonprofit. So that depends on where you live, right? It could be Surfrider, like Carissa mentioned, and like she was able to participate in yesterday. But take a Take your daughter, your son to a beach cleanup. Take them to join an organization together, experience it together. And one of my, when you're feeling overwhelmed, because like I think that we can all agree here that the current challenges the ocean's facing are overwhelming. And what, instead of carrying all the guilt on your own back, like they were talking about, being able to actually join a community that's um, helping and being part of that is the best thing you can do because you leave feeling like you were part of the solution because you were, and it's a great opportunity to build relationships, friendships, and have, I guess, great family bonding too, if you want to bring your kids. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say like the best thing I would think for your kids is to help make them fall in love with the ocean because <laughs> uh, that worked for me. And then they want to just take care of it and do their part um, so that they can keep playing in this beautiful um, ocean. So, yeah. Hi. Um, so I'm a wildlife biologist and a lot of my career is focused on conservation, which is super awesome and just really exciting. But one thing that I found is that not only am I 
usually the only woman in the room. I'm usually the youngest by like 10 or 15 years. And so I think sometimes if I'm being honest, it can be hard to build confidence to say my piece and like to say what I need to say. So can you guys speak into that at all? Like what's, what's your take? (laughs) Those old signs, I'm not going (laughs) to. It is. It is, it is hard, right? Especially because this field, people stay in this field for a long time, right? Like there are a lot of old biologists, right? Who, who've been doing this work a long time. <laughs> it's, true, it's true, it's right? true. Yeah. There are a lot of old biologists who've been doing this work, right? Um, you have to take up space. Like I know it's hard. I know that it's challenging. I know that you feel like you um, maybe like because they're older, because they've been here longer, like that maybe they have like earned the space more than you, but they haven't, you know? And that's honestly like what they want you to think. Like they don't want you to tell back. They don't want you to say, hey, I challenged this idea. Um, they, and so I think that it's really important to um, to stand in your truth and to stand in what you know, like you're, you, you are a wildlife biologist, that's who you are. And so I don't, this is something that I had to learn because I, when I was in grad school, y'all, I mean, it was, I didn't even know if I wanted to stay in this field. I wasn't even sure that like, this is something I wanted to continue doing because I faced so many things and, and was manipulated and it was just ridiculous. Right. And I think that it's, we can't let that happen to ourselves, right? And that's also why I think it's so important for us to support one another. Like that's when you build your community. That's when you have people backing you, right? You know, to make sure that like, hey, like, am I tripping or is this crazy, you know? You gotta talk about it and then you need to approach them and it's okay if everybody's not gonna like you, everybody's not gonna be happy and that's fine too, you know? I think another thing, uh, just also to help you out, um, the more you know, the more information you have on real facts, at the end of the day, you get more confident. You're like, I know this information. I have the facts based on this discussion. I can say my piece with that confidence. I think that's a huge thing that really helps me whenever I do a presentation or if I'm in a room with other people. Just knowing more about the subject they can't tell you you're wrong if you know the right, you know, you know the right information. You're like, okay, that's nice. But this is literally the statistics or whatever, you know, you're dealing with in the com- uh, conversation. And I think that's just something that's always really helped me is just having that really strong knowledge and researching maybe before a meeting or before whatever kind of event you're doing, just doing a lot of background work on what's going on, what's the specific statistics behind all of that. And I think that'll help you just naturally feel more confident because you'll have all that information already. Hi, my name is Jules Rivera. I am a uh, nature journalist as well as a cartoonist. I work on Mark Trail. It's a 75-year-old comic strip that's been, uh, yeah, that I recently took over last year. Um, so, by the way, I might be hitting y'all up later for some, uh, you know, uh, uh, advisement because uh, I'm always looking for new storylines to write about. What advice do you feel like you um, wish you had when you were younger starting off in this field? Like, what advice do you wish you could give your younger selves? I think if I was to give myself any advice, it would be progress, not perfection. I think I've been pretty hard on myself my whole career, my whole life. And I'm just starting to like be a little kinder and talk a little kinder to myself and have a lot more fun. I feel like if we're having more fun, I feel like that's when the magic happens. And um, 
you find your flow. So I guess just um, to have more fun and not try to be perfect because there's no such thing as perfect. <laughs> no such thing. <laughs> um, I would say that um, you should prioritize making opportunities happen for yourself because sometimes when you're younger, you think that you can be self-conscious or you can think that you know, someone else is going to reach out to you for an internship or, or these these things. But a lot of the opportunities I've been so lucky to have in this field come from cold emails, come from going to office hours and building those relationships and from being a nice person. And I think that it's not it's, it's only it's up to you to make what you want happen. And so make the opportunities happen. Send the cold email. You have one question? Oh, we have one more question. Okay. I would love, ooh, I'd love to hear your happiest, a happy memory that you've all had with the ocean. Happiest ever? Oh, no. Uh, me and my best friend went and surfed sunrise right before we flew here, and it was a great day, and the, there was no wind, and it was clean, and it wasn't busy, and it was a few days ago. It was great, and she's, she's here today. <laughs> Yeah, I feel very fortunate, and I feel like I've had a lot of happy memories in the ocean. Um, but, yeah, any surf session with a friend. Um, we actually were in Mexico a few weeks ago, my husband and I, and we got to surf a really uncrowded lineup with perfect waves for, like, five hours, and it, we had the best time. So that was probably, like, the last dreamy moment. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of my happiness revolves around sharks. So um, probably one of my best days, um, we don't really often, with the crew I work with, they're all really good friends of mine, and we don't often get to go out together because we're like, you know, taking turns working for fun. So some people are working, some people are on the fun dive. And we had this day uh, a couple years ago where we had a, a tiger shark come up and to our area, to the site that we go to, and the shark was just really inquisitive. She's actually a shark that we've all gotten to know really well over the last few years. And she's very confident, and she actually hung out with us for four hours. And it was like this amazing, amazing day where she just kind of kept coming in, was super curious. And it was really amazing just being in the water with all people that know what they're doing. Like, you trust them all with the sharks, and it's just so relaxing and peaceful to have that kind of moment with such a big animal that is a predator. Um, but for the most part, you know, they're not the monsters the way that the media makes them out to be. So having that moment and sharing it with all of like my best friends and having that really, really special to me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know one moment that I think is the best. It is very hard, but I actually do think it is, it was a time when I was researching sharks and probably the first time I like worked up I worked up a shark on my own. Uh, it was probably a very proud moment for me, you know, and I was really excited that my shark was good. It was a sand tiger. She swam off all right. Because um, they're kind of big. And if, you, if, it's, your, if it's your first time doing it um, alone and, you know, like taking the genetic sample and giving them the antibiotic and, you know, doing all of these things like that seems a little bit challenging. And but I was so proud of myself and I'm very happy that I was able to experience that. And every time I do it, you know, 
it still is just as exciting, you know? That's that's what I love so much about this. It doesn't matter how many times you've seen them. I think it still is just like we're back to the first time again. Do you guys name these sharks? Are you like, hey. The like, shark that I'm talking about, we call her Kalihi. Yeah. we Not all of them, but we'll, we'll name them when, when they have like scars so you can like identify that same shark again. We don't just like name ones. We can't. We're like, oh, that might be Bob. Like, you know. <laughs> Um, but like when they have a scar like that and then we can actually like name that individual and see them. It's cool with the tigers because we'll see them every other, you know, year. So it's like six months, eight months, you don't see them and then you see them again. You're like, you're still alive. Like you're still doing well. So it's, it's really cool. It's That's special. awesome. That's awesome to have like friends, like shark friends. And I think they're my friends. They probably don't <laughs> like me as much. As I, yeah. awesome. I don't know if it's mutual, but. <laughs> like this girl right here. Awesome. Do we have any other questions? I think we have time for one more. What's a mistake you made in the industry that you wish or that you learned from? It's a great last question. I have one. I have one. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Simone. (laughs) When I was in grad school, I wanted to, so I, I, my, my thesis was on sand tiger sharks and angular perceptions of shark fishing in Delaware. And, uh, I really wanted to like focus on one of my chapters. I did two chapters. I really wanted to focus one of my chapters on like outreach and education and why it's important. And um, I was like told that education is separate from this research. Uh, And and the reason I think this is like my biggest mistake is because I didn't talk back and say like, no, this should be included, right? This should be um, something that is prioritized. Like this is worth my chapter. And I didn't do that. And I ended up spending way longer writing another chapter that was based on what like my advisor wanted me to write it on uh, and not what I knew that I should be doing. But guess what? It's okay because I do outreach and education now. So it doesn't matter, but that's definitely what I learned. Okay, I know mine. Mine is that I thought I had to, because you see other scientists do this, I thought I had to niche down onto one specific thing. And that thing for me was always cetaceans or or, um, dolphins and whales. And I did for many years, but I was really passionate about education and outreach. I was really passionate about media and videography. And it took me a long time to realize that I can do all of it. And now I do all of it and I've never been more fulfilled. So you don't have to niche down. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm constantly making mistakes <laughs> and I'm constantly learning. I think that's the beauty of it. Um, I think uh, one of the more defining moments for me was a few years ago. I think not, I don't really regret anything, but I think that there was a moment that I fell out of love with surfing and maybe started focusing more on results than just having fun and doing it because I loved it. And I got a little bit lost in in that for a while. And I think it showed in my performance. And then as soon as I started uh, staying more in tune with my heart and what, 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 what was more important to me, I think that's kind of when I came back on track. So, um, but yes, never stop learning, never stop making mistakes, but it's okay. Um, so I would think one of the things that I struggled with a lot through grad school and then especially, I still do it now, but I'm better at it, um, is just saying no to certain things. I'm always like, oh, accepting projects, accepting different things. And it can kind of spread you thin and make it really difficult to do well on the most important projects and 
that was something that I did a lot in grad school. And I had people tell me, hey, you should really stop taking on so much. Luckily, I was able to kind of like kind of keep it together. But something that I've definitely learned from for now as I'm kind of growing and continuing in this career is prioritizing what's more important. And it's okay to say no to certain things just because giving your time to that one thing is really going to take away anything that you're going to be putting into a project that probably means more to you. And that's something that I'm still struggling with now, but trying to do better on. I think we all overcommit. <laughs> all of us up here. Well, thank you for committing to us and <laughs> being here today. Oh, no, but thank you for spending time with us today. Um, and thank you guys for staying with us this whole time. If you are interested in learning more about these ladies, we have them featured on our Instagram, which is Gillette Venus. And they're also on the Supergirl website. If you want to find out more about all of their amazing work and, and follow all of the world championship titles and Olympic medals, we know Carissa will be getting in the future. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Yeah.